Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends, I have to tell on myself, and this is a little embarrassing. This episode has been sitting on my computer for a whole year. I don't quite know what happened, but it was definitely not intentional. So to Julia, first, I want to apologize to you for taking so long to get this episode out into the world. And it's a really interesting one because we cover some new territory that we haven't talked about here before. We've had several non-binary guests, but we've never talked with someone about being sexually involved with a non-binary person. Julia has a non-binary partner, so we get to talk about how she navigates her partner's gender dysphoria. Julia is a 27-year-old cisgender woman. She describes herself as white, queer, monogamous, and she doesn't have kids. She still gets a regular period and describes her body as tall and thin. I'm so pleased to introduce Julia. Julia, welcome. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. As you know, I love it when listeners get in touch and say, I think I'd like to do an interview. So um, <laughs> I'm thrilled that you did that. Thank you. Yeah, as I said before, I'm I'm really happy that you make that an option. It's amazing. So thank you. Absolutely. It's, it's pretty much my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Julia, let's start where where I start every interview. What is your first memory of sexual pleasure? I have like two separate memories. One is like the around the first time that I masturbated. And the other one is around some fantasies that I had when I was a kid. So this is was kind of an embarrassing story for me for a while. But I had this large teddy bear. Mm. And at some point, I realized that, like, if I rubbed against the leg of it, it felt good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I was probably 12, maybe 11 mm -hmm. at that point. And yeah, I just did that for a while. <laughs> it probably became your favorite teddy bear for a while, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did you come to something that you would now recognize as an orgasm or was it just sort of the worked up feeling that you had? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think it was a full orgasm, but it, yeah, it definitely felt good and yeah. something that I wanted to keep going back to. <laughs> yeah. 
So you said that you felt embarrassed about that for a long time. What about it was embarrassing to you? Uh, I think part of it was just that masturbation wasn't really talked about yeah. in my friend groups or in my family. So I was embarrassed about masturbation in general. Uh, and then it was also the like innocence of a teddy bear <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that also was embarrassing of like, oh my God, I can't believe I used this like childish item. Yeah. So you know, as a listener to the podcast that you are far from alone in this <laughs> <Yes>. experience, <laughs> whether it was a teddy bear or just the sheets or blanket or, you know, a lot of kids found that part of their body and that kind of pleasure from those items that are related to childhood. And I, I can understand why that would be confusing for sure. Yeah. So you said you had a second memory as well. Yeah. So I, and this is like another memory because I don't exactly remember which came first, the teddy bear or this, <laughs> but I, I think mostly when I was in the shower as a young teen, I had these fantasies that were very uh, straight fantasies, um, which looking back now, knowing who I am is interesting. Mm -hmm. But um, I would kind of just fantasize about a couple, like a man and a woman, having sex. And I don't really know how I was involved, like if I was the woman in the fantasy or if I was kind of like witnessing it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was always... For children. It was like sex for procreation. Um, uh, interesting. And, but it, it brought me pleasure. So I don't, it's like kind of a confusing memory. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I would fantasize about them having sex and, and sometimes I would fantasize that they would have to do it quietly. Um, that was kind of a turn on for me <laughs> as a yeah. young child. Um, in that instance, I never had, again, what I would classify as like a full orgasm, but it definitely brought me pleasure. And yeah. I kind of extended those fantasies. Like I have this very vivid memory of skiing. I cross country ski and did throughout my childhood. And I just remember skiing this long trail uh, with like friends and family around me. And I was just like a, the lengths that I would go to have these really interesting fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very interested by this fantasy because you sort of alluded to a couple of things there. One is that you now consider yourself queer. Mm -hmm. Um and we'll get into that in a little bit, but that it this was a straight fantasy which is surprising or interesting given that you now consider yourself queer mm -hmm. and also that it was for quote unquote baby making. Yeah. And those two things, I, I think that with our early fantasies, one of two things can happen. We either fantasize firmly within our cultural narrative, like, oh, okay, so I understand that sex is for babies. So I'm going to fantasize about sex, which therefore means that it's for babies. Right. <laughs> and um, also that you know, if you primarily saw heterosexual couples around you, then it makes sense that that is what you would fantasize about. And then 
at the other end of the spectrum, if there are people who see the cultural narrative around them and are like, wow, I don't fit into that at all, then they might start to create a fantasy life or indulge in a fantasy life that takes them very outside of that sort of heteronormative baby making culture. But um, it actually doesn't surprise me at all that your fantasies would have mirrored the world that you saw around you. Mm -hmm. Like there was sexual energy inside you that wanted an outlet. And so it took the outlet that it understood. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I have a, one other curiosity. You, you said that when you fantasized about the couple, you weren't sure if you were the woman or if you were watching from outside. Do you now have any interest in voyeurism? Is that a turn on for you? Oh, interesting. Um, I've never really explored that. Um, this is jumping ahead, yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> but it, the one sort of experience I do have with voyeurism that I've never connected to that, uh, experience, but, or those fantasies, but I went, I w- went on a trip with some friends in college and we went to Paris and we had this really sweet little apartment that looked out over a courtyard and on our, on our last day, that we were there, we were like packing up to leave. Mm-hmm. And we looked out of the window and across the courtyard, there was this couple having sex and we kind of just watched them yeah. <laughs> and um, like all together, which is, I mean, I'm very close with them. So it wasn't like an awkward thing, but it's kind of funny to think about it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember we watched them for probably five minutes, just like, wow, this is wild. And we were pretty sure that the man noticed, which honestly is like a little bit weird because, I mean, it's not weird that he noticed and then it seemed like he was more turned on by it, but mostly yeah. that I don't know if his partner knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so that part makes me a little bit creeped out. But um, yeah, that's the only experience of, and I, and I don't know if I was like actively turned on, but it definitely was something that was like, Whoa. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So voyeurism is a kink that uh, is actually one that I really enjoy. Um, Mm -hmm. And as you noted, it is important that it be done consensually so that everybody involved is is aware of what's going on. But exhibitionism is also a very common kink. And it sounds like probably in that situation, the the man did enjoy exhibitionism because you said it, Mm -hmm. it seemed to turn him on that that there was this group of people watching does that spark any interest for you no yeah. <laughs> not at well, all that's clear <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's interesting i i've actually never heard of exhibitionism mm-hmm. um yeah voyeurism i guess has never been something that i've had access to or felt comfortable exploring sure I- So I mentioned that it's something that I enjoy. And it's something that I felt very embarrassed about for a long time, because I didn't know that there were ways to do that that were consensual. It Mm -hmm. felt like it was very unnatural for me to be interested in that. Now that I 
have experience of a community of people where that is actually a thing that some people are exhibitionists and they get their kink mm. um, taken care of because there are voyeurs and they get their kink t- taken care of because there are exhibitionists. Like yeah, wow. it all actually works. Um, but yeah, for a long time, I thought that I was somehow very pervy. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I've also discovered that I'm actually more interested in oral voyeurism, which is like Mm. hearing people through the walls, or Mm. hearing people like I don't actually need to see them doing the deed, but listening to people in my apartment building when I when the windows are open, and I get to hear people (laughs) having sex. That's a huge turn on for me. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so yeah. That's cool. (laughs) All right, so we've now jumped all over the time. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's go back. Uh, so you've discovered that you can get pleasure from a teddy bear uh, from the leg of your teddy bear. You've uh, discovered fantasies. At what point did you think, oh, maybe I would like to experience this with another person instead of just inside your own head and your own body? Yeah. So that's where the complication of sexuality <laughs> enters into the picture. Sure. Um, so for a very long time, I just assumed that I was straight and had, I would consider, pretty serious straight crushes um, throughout my childhood and teenage years. Um, like starting in probably fourth grade, I remember very vividly having crushes on multiple boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and as a like class, me and my friends would basically rank the boys that we had crushes <laughs> on. <laughs> um, and I, I used to journal a lot as a young person. And I have this journal that lists out my like list. That mm-hmm. was what we called it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I can't say that any of those were not just cultural influences, if that makes sense. Like everyone else had crushes. And so I was like, yeah, I have a crush too. Um, sure. It definitely was partly that. Um, and then sort of like growing up and like aging myself in high school, I had a very intense crush on a neighbor who was a close family friend. It was also a boy and it, got to the point where it was hard for me to like be in the room with him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I never told him I had a crush on him. And yeah, that I think that that crush went on for like two years, really struggling to mm-hmm. navigate. Like, I think looking back on it, I really just wanted to be close to him and be his friend. But somehow that wasn't accessible to me. Mm. So in high school, I never had any relationship or kissed anyone. And I was a very awkward teen. <laughs> and then going to college. Um, well, let me just pause you there for yeah, a second. Sure. Was not having a relationship and not kissing anyone by choice or by circumstance? Hmm. I don't think that it was outright by choice. Yeah, it's so complicated because now knowing that I am not really attracted to cis men, <laughs> like, and just it, I didn't realize 
who I was attracted to. It's hard to say that it was by circumstance or by choice. I think it just really was that I didn't know who I was and who I was attracted to. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess just looking back on my teen years, I didn't have anyone modeling anything other than either a straight heterosexual cisgendered relationship or my parents did have two cis gay friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and like we knew them and we weren't like super close with them but i knew two gay people Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so it really wasn't modeled to me the like queer woman Mm -hmm. relationship or just like personhood (laughs) sure Nobody asked me out, I think is partially like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have said if somebody did, but I also wasn't really interested in pursuing anybody uh, or anybody that I thought I should pursue, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Obviously, I did have that massive crush, but it wasn't something that I really like felt comfortable telling him about or like make a kiss happen. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. All right. So you were about to um, move into your college experience. Yeah. So my freshman year of college, I went to a small college in North Carolina and I developed a pretty, again, another massive crush on a cis man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was, again, like something that I never pursued actively it just kind of was this passive like oh my god I have this huge crush like how do I interact with him we had a couple classes together I did tell my friends about this crush and I remember one of my love love languages I guess acts of service but mostly it manifested in baking things for other people for a really (laughs) long time yeah (laughs) and so I made this guy some cupcakes and I was like going to deliver them to his room. We lived in the same dorm. And I like wrote him this little note and my roommate who we were very close and she's like this hilarious person who's really into pranking people. Um, (laughs) She drew a penis on the note that I was going to deliver to him. And obviously I didn't deliver it, but that made me super uncomfortable. Not, not really the act of her like doing this mini prank, but just like the penis being there, (laughs) Um, which I think is a a sign of something, Uh, (laughs) but something that I did not know because I did, I watch straight porn. I still to this day do as well, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. But uh, yeah, so I like see penises in images and everything, but the explicit thought of my roommate connecting a penis to this man that I had a crush on was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm not interested in that whatsoever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Then I guess the next step in my journey was uh, I was really close with this other person at school, like in my freshman year, she actually she has four moms. So like her 
the, her two moms that were married when they had her then separated and and then remarried. So she has four I moms. I love that. Which, yes, I was like so jealous <laughs> of her. <laughs> um, so we would go over to her house like every few weeks. And so two of her moms were the first actual lesbians that I knew were gay and spent a lot of time with. And like that first step was incredible for me. I was like, oh my gosh, these women love each other. They live together. They have lives together. And I didn't really know that that was an option. I don't know. It's very confusing to me because my parents are pretty liberal people, but they're not really ones to like step out of their community or comfort zone they never really told me like these are the options you don't have to be straight (laughs) or anything like that so I just didn't know and so then this my friend uh we were just lying like we would all sleep in her bed and we were lying just like me and her I don't know where my roommate was but we were just lying in bed and I don't really know how the conversation came up, but we were talking about like sexuality and because she identified at that time, I think as bisexual. And I just remember there was like this pause in the conversation and she asked me what I was thinking about. And I said, I'm just thinking that I might not be straight. (laughs) (laughs) And that was pretty much it. Like we were never intimate with each other me and this friend Mm -hmm. but she really both with her parents but also just her as an individual being very very open about her sexuality and I had never talked to anybody or been close to anybody who shared that experience with me so yeah it reminds me some of my own experience of What's different is that there were gay people all over the place in my childhood home. Like my parents had a lot of gay friends. So I always knew that that was okay. I knew that straight was okay. And I knew that gay was okay. Like there was no question. What confused the hell out of me was that I seemed to like both. (laughs) And there wasn't a model of that anywhere in my life that I was aware of. And so for there was a period in my late teens, early 20s, when I thought, well, then I guess I must be a lesbian because I'm interested in women. And you can only be interested in women if you're a lesbian. So, (laughs) okay, I'll do that. And uh, it wasn't until I was hanging out with a group of lesbians and one of them said, I feel like I need to come out as bisexual that I was like, oh, wait, what is this now that you say? (laughs) (laughs) And that opened up a whole world for me that I didn't even Uh, know existed. Yeah, that's amazing. And also such a, oh, it's so complicated in any queer space of Mm -hmm. We have to identify ourselves one way yes. or the other. <laughs> yeah. It's and she militant. actually, I, I remember this very strongly. She said it with a sense of like, 
even in a group of lesbians, I feel like I have to come out and I'm still not going to be accepted. And, and I hope that that has changed. No, I know that that has changed some, but there is still some distrust of bisexual people in lesbian spaces. Um, I think that maybe if you call yourself pansexual, it's a little bit more open, but there's still distrust for sure in those spaces. aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality, but you're not quite sure how to proceed? Are you wondering if your desires are normal? Are you afraid you'll have to blow up your existing relationship to have the kind of sex you want? Or maybe you're hearing these conversations every week and thinking, I understand what she's talking about. I just don't know how to do it in my life. Well, that's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. I promise that your sexuality is not shameful and together we'll help you see yourself, your needs and your desires without judgment. Now, I'm not going to tell you what you should do or feed you answers. That's not what coaching is about. Instead, I'm going to walk with you in the process of discovering what's right for you in a way that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and the pace that's right for your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find the right pace for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like learning how to talk about your sexual desires with current or future partners, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, questioning if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM or consensual non-monogamy, exploring sexuality for later in life virgins, recovering from infidelity, and so much more. I believe this work is deeply important and should be available to every woman regardless of your financial situation. That is why I now offer variable pricing. Whether you're experiencing financial challenges, are financially stable, or have some extra to pay it forward, there's an option for you. And I give the same level of care and support to you, regardless of the pricing level you choose. For more information and to schedule a discovery call, visit www.leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Now let's get back to the conversation. You told me that you identify as queer slash pansexual. Mm-hmm. And yet everything I've heard you say so far suggests to me that you are not interested in the penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about like where you are, who, what your interests are. Yeah. So 
so the the queer slash pansexual identity, I've come into that really in the past three years, I would say. And it came from realizing that I was attracted to more than just cis women. So my current partner is Mm non-binary. So it's not accurate to say that I, and so for a really long time, I identified as gay for whatever reason. I don't like the term lesbian, Mm -hmm. um, which is probably something that I, I can unpack and also just the queer community could unpack. But (laughs) um, yeah, for a really long time, I was like, I'm just gay. And then I did have an, a semi-sexual experience with a cis man, which was fine. But then mostly, so it was a, the combination of like that experience and then being with my current partner who, yeah, is non-binary that I'm like, okay, I'm not just attracted to cis women. Yeah. Um, although that is like where the majority of my attraction lies. But yeah, I know that I am attracted to more than just cis ladies. So (laughs) that's where that comes from. All right. So again, back to the timeline. I love it when conversations go all over (laughs) the place, but I also want to make sure that (laughs) we get all the important points. So you're lying on the bed with your friend from college. You have admitted to yourself and to, to another person that you are potentially not straight. Yeah. And it sounds like at this point, you still haven't kissed anybody. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, correct. So at what point did you begin to interact with other people? Yeah, so that happened the summer after that year. So I went and lived and worked on a farm with this couple. And uh, there was this woman who worked in the like cafe that the couple owned. And I'd like split my time kind of between the farm and the cafe grocery store and we just myself and this woman just kind of like struck up a flirtation and she was significantly older than me I was 19 and she was I believe she was 31 we were very flirtatious and it was really fun Uh, (laughs) because I remember like writing a message to this, uh, this old friend from college who I like admitted to and my roommate who also knew that I was having these feelings or like thinking that I was not straight. Um, I wrote them a message of like, I'm attracted to a woman. It was, it <laughs> happened. Like you, you guys were right. <laughs> um, so that was fun. And I invited this person over to like hang out with me and we ended up, yeah. I, I think it was kind of this unspoken thing that like we would end up sleeping in the same bed. Mm-hmm. And so we did. And then I just remember lying there next to her and neither of us were really falling asleep. Uh, and I said like, man, I'm having such a hard time sleeping. <laughs> and she asked like, why? <laughs> and I was like, well, I just really want to kiss you. <laughs> wow. Very brave. Which, I mean, thank you. But at that time, it was like, I couldn't even imagine saying that, you know, it it really took a lot to say that. It's huge. Yeah. So so we made out for a while. And then I think I told her that I had never kissed anybody because it kind of was, 
moving towards more happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I don't, yeah, I don't really remember exactly what I said, but, uh, and then she was like, oh, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't have sex on the first night that you also have your first kiss. (laughs) (laughs) And how, how did that land for you? Were you like, was there a sense of relief and gratitude or you were like, no, no, I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if it was either really, I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like maybe we should take it slow. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a relief, but it wasn't like a a letdown because it it felt like it would happen eventually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was that initial makeout session fun? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, (laughs) oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really like just thinking back on all the angst and anxiety I felt around maybe instigating anything with a cis man. Like, I mean, it it was definitely terrifying to tell her that I wanted to kiss her, but it just felt right. And it was like, we're both attracted to each other. It's so obvious. And it, yeah, it was really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And so did you end up getting back together with her and going the next step? Yeah, yeah. So I would say we were dating. Although, I mean, so it ended really weirdly. So it's hard for me to be like, yeah, we were together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we were together for, I guess, about two months. And I don't remember when we first had sex, but we had sex a few times. And she was really caring. And obviously she knew it was my first time for everything. Um, Mm -hmm. So she like took it very slowly. I remember, I don't know if this was the first time or not, but I just have this very vivid memory. She was going down on me and I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Did you, before you started having sex with her, did you have any idea of what two women or two vagina owners do together in bed? Oh, interesting. I don't know. Possibly from porn. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Which obviously isn't. Not realistic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, not not accurate. First Um, of all, most women who are fooling around with other women don't have two inch long nails. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, you can see mine. Uh, (laughs) Note to listener, they're very short. Uh, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I don't remember. Uh, I really, yeah, I wish I could remember more about the first time, but it kind of has all melded with all the experiences, which were really fun. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she was going down on me and I like, at this point I'm like, yeah, she, she was really good at going down on people and me, (laughs) like, (laughs) but, um, it was something I'd never experienced before. So sex in general with her was fun. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. It was, it was fun. She like introduced me to what lube was and she just (laughs) used coconut oil. She was like, yeah, if you don't, if you don't need to use a um, condom, like coconut oil is great. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess looking back now that I just said that, I was like, 
we didn't use any protection. I had, we didn't really talk about any STIs, Mm -hmm. uh, which was not great. Uh, (laughs) For me, obviously, uh, it was very unlikely that I had any STI, but um, she had been in other relationships. So I do wish we had had that conversation. Yeah, I feel like I should pause here for a second. And for people who are not familiar with coconut oil, as a lube, it is a wonderful um, addition to sexy fun. Um, <laughs> the reason that we say don't use it with condoms is that there uh, there's potentially an interaction between the coconut oil and the condom that can degrade the condom. So if you're using the condom specifically for birth control, and for protection from STIs, then that is not your best choice for lube. But if you are not using a condom, <laughs> hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> All natural, slippy, slidey, smells yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Great. Um, so you mentioned that that ended kind of strangely, which, uh, you know, you can talk about or not as you choose. I, it was very confusing ending. Uh, cause so throughout the few months that we were involved, she, we had had few conversations about like, yeah, you're like our age difference is pretty large. And she wasn't concerned about it because we were both kind of on the same level of like mm-hmm. being humans reflecting on that statement I wish that I had the like knowledge to see that as a potential maybe admission from her that she wasn't emotionally mature if you're 31 and comparing yourself to a 19 year old like (laughs) right I don't know right right (laughs) (laughs) but anyway she she got back with her ex that she was broken up with during the time that we were sleeping together and Mm -hmm. in a way that was really painful for me she basically just like called me on like I had gone home for the weekend and I think she called me and she just said I don't think we should be together I'm getting back with her Mm. and that's painful what (laughs) yeah yeah did you have to continue to see her for a while Yeah. Working at the same place. Yes. Yeah. We did for a little while, but I pretty much hightailed it out of there because of that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, what happened next for you? Yeah. So, I guess in all of that, I came out to my family. Um, How did that go? It actually went really well. I'm really fortunate to have very loving family members. And yeah, I told my sister first, she actually came up and visited uh, me while I was like on the farm and, and seeing this woman. And she actually does not like that individual person because of how she treated me. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is like, I understand now. Um, but yeah, she's amazing. And my, I told my mom, in the most cryptic way, <laughs> I think I said something like, it wouldn't hurt this badly if we hadn't been involved or something like that. Mm. And I just left that there, let my mom interpret it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And 
and I didn't officially, I'm, I'm sure my mom talked to my dad about it, but I didn't officially come out to him until the following year. We were, I think, like drinking coffee and I was just like, I'm sure mom told you, but <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that I'm gay. <laughs> and he was really sweet. He just said, I'm so proud of you for knowing who you are. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope that all gay, lesbian, queer children get to have an experience like that. Mm. So you mentioned that at some point you had an experience, a sort of sexual experience with a penis. So I'm curious <laughs> to hear how that came about and, and what it was like for you. Uh, in the year following graduation, I um, served in an AmeriCorps program and had this crush on a guy for me to leave college. I went to a college that was like full of lesbians and queer people. So <laughs> to leave college and then be like, damn it, I have a crush on a cis guy. What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> um, but yeah, we like, we had a pretty intense crush situation going on. It was a residential AmeriCorps program. So we were living in the same housing and mm. commuting to work together, like spending all of our time with this big group of people. Maybe four months into that experience, we were actually driving in the car with another person in our program. And we were just all talking about like the people we had friend crushes on at the beginning of the program and maybe people we actually had crushes on. <laughs> and I turned to him and I was like, I had a crush on you <laughs> for a You're while. You're so brave. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and actually in that car ride, I also said I had a crush on my current partner. Um, <laughs> we ended up together. So I admitted both of those in that car ride. And he was like, yeah, I had a crush on you too. Uh. Um, and so I don't love this story, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's something I need to process a little more, I guess. But we went on a walk and we actually like smoked a little weed. So I was a little bit high mm -hmm. and, and then we like ended up sitting together in the, just in the forest. <laughs> then we started making out. I don't really know what happened, but we were kissing suddenly. Mm -hmm. um, and then very suddenly, he like put his hands down my pants. Hmm. Um, Without invitation. Uh, yeah, I mean, it. I don't want it to be construed that it wasn't full. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's complicated because I was high. Yeah. I never explicitly said like, yeah, put your hands down your my pants. Mm -hmm. um, but I also didn't say no, which I know is not <laughs> consent. Right. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so he, he like was touching my clit and kind of like seemed like he was trying to penetrate me. And I was like, actually, I'm on my period. <laughs> like, and I was, it wasn't even just like a way yeah. to get out of that event. And then pretty quickly it all stopped. So mm. like we didn't have sex, but it was like this weird weird event. <laughs> yeah. Did the two of you continue a friendship or did things get awkward? 
things got a little bit awkward, um, but eventually we did continue a friendship. Never really talked about that huge thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you ready for easy access to birth control? Me too. That's why I'm so excited about Planned Parenthood Direct, Planned Parenthood's app. You can use the app to get birth control prescribed and mailed right to your home or sent to your pharmacy for pickup. You can also communicate directly with licensed Planned Parenthood doctors and nurses and learn about different types of birth control to figure out which one is right for you because we're all different. Insurance isn't required and birth control starts at only $20 a pack. In some states, you can even get UTI treatment and emergency contraception through the app. You can download the Planned Parenthood Direct app from the App Store or Google Play Store. It's currently available in 39 states plus DC, and if it's not in your state yet, sign up to be notified of new state launches on PlannedParenthoodDirect.org. Links are in the show notes accessible and affordable, convenient birth control is huge. So if you use birth control, download Planned Parenthood Direct today. Do you find yourself using the same fantasy over and over to the point that it no longer gets you as hot and excited as you want? That's definitely what happens to me. My brain fixates on one fantasy for a while until suddenly, poof, it no longer works for me. That's why I love Dipsy. No matter what type of fantasy you're into, a slow, sweet tease by the hot British guy next door or getting tied up and dominated by the sexy girl from the bar, Dipsy has a story that will help you upgrade to a new fantasy that gets all your motors running. And because Dipsy releases new content every week, there's always a new upgrade ready when you are. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps bring the stories to life. And for listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to Dipsy Stories dot com slash good girls. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories dot com slash good girls. And that link is in the show notes. Dipsy stories dot com slash good girls. You will not be disappointed. So you mentioned that you also had a crush on your current partner at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, now I want to ask so that I get this right. What pronouns does your partner use? Yeah. So they use they, them pronouns. They, them. Okay. I'm going to try really hard to get this correct. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, and please feel free to correct me if I get it wrong. Yeah. Um, so how did you and your partner get together? Yeah. So this program that I was serving in is, was a 10-month program. There, so there were 18 people in that group at the beginning. So there was just a lot of people. And, but I knew that I had a crush a little bit on my current partner. 
but my energies were kind of elsewhere at that time um, because I also had a crush on somebody that I went to college with. So all of my like romantic brain was kind of all scrambled. You were all up in your hormones, it sounds like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but like we, we did hang out a little bit where we like came out to each other and they identify as bisexual. Um, and did they identify as non-binary at that time? Yes. Because that's a, I mean, that's a more recent thing that has come into the mainstream. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they did identify. I, I can't remember if they explicitly, like, told the whole community that they identified that way, but they were using they, them pronouns Okay. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was probably, like, June or July of our 10 month program, which was that was like seven months in or something. And they kind of like discouraged any sort of exclusive relationship, whether that was a friendship or a romantic relationship. But it was really fun to go about it and be like, Oh, my gosh, I have a crush. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was really fun. So um, it's also somewhat unrealistic to put a group of 20 ish year olds together (laughs) and then say, Yeah, don't don't hook up. That's yeah. (laughs) Nice concept. Not gonna happen. (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand where they're coming from with that, like intention. But yes, agreed. So we picked up like takeout and like one of those big bottles of wine (laughs) (laughs) and we were cuddling on the bed and then we were making out (laughs) and it was so much fun and yeah, it just made sense, but it was like, yeah, such a joy. And then our friend came out of the shower and we had to be like, we're not doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) So can I ask you a couple of questions about gender and sexuality? Are you comfortable with that? Yeah. So um, I assume that your non-binary partner has a vagina. Is that Mm -hmm. a correct assumption? Yes. Yeah. How does their non-binariness play into your relationship, specifically your sexual relationship, if at all? So it it does. And it's like an ongoing conversation between the two of us. Um, it plays in, in many ways. One of them is like, what they're comfortable with me touching. So for, mm-hmm. um, for part of our relationship, they didn't want me to touch their chest at all because they're considering uh, getting top surgery. Mm -hmm. And I was like, of course, that's totally fine. I don't, yeah, I don't want to make you uncomfortable in any way. And then recently they told me like, actually now that the pandemic's happening and they don't have to go out into the world quite as much and be seen and misgendered by other people, they were like, you can touch my chest now. I'm not as uncomfortable with that. Um, And of course that might change at any time, but yeah, that's one aspect of it. And how do you feel about that? Like, is that hard for you to wrap your mind around? Like I couldn't, and now I can, but I might not be able to in the future. Or is, is that really just sort of like, I take it day by day for you? Yeah. um, 
in general, it is totally fine for me. Um, because as I said, like, I don't want to do anything that would make them uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. for myself, reflecting on like the, they might get top surgery, and these might be gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, truthfully, I, I will be a little bit sad. But I will yeah. also be very happy that they are more comfortable in their body. But mm-hmm. I really love boobs. <laughs> so. Well, that was one of my questions for you, <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. Like, as somebody who appreciates the cisgender female form, yeah. uh, are boobs a part of that for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, I mean, it's been wonderful that they've invited me back to those. Um, and I, yeah, I've been, I mean, they have really nice boobs. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I want to pause here for a second and appreciate you for the fact that you can hold these two things mm-hmm. that you can really love their boobs. You can really be appreciative of that aspect of their body and also be extremely understanding and supportive of their need to not have that kind of relationship with them. I think that that is, um, that shows a great deal of generosity and empathy on your part. And, and I, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes we joke. So I'm, I'm really flat chested. I barely have any breast tissue. <laughs> and sometimes we joke that like, man, if we could only switch because I would love them. <laughs> like just give them to me. Like right. not only would I love just to have bigger boobs, but also like to take that burden off of them mm. and to still be able to appreciate them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how is sex between the two of you? So it's funny, I guess, going back in time for like the first time we had sex, neither of us had actually like gone down on a vagina before. So Mm -hmm. going back to like my past sexual experiences with my first partner, uh, she wouldn't let me touch her in Mm -hmm. any way. And then the few people that I had like quick flings with in college, we didn't really get to that point. And my current partner had dated a cis woman before, but they, uh, I don't know if they ever had sex, but they had never gone down on anyone. So it was a funny first time. Uh, (laughs) Neither of us really knew what to do, which is like, I think kind of a blessing because it's hard to know what to ask for when you haven't really had a lot of. Yes. Like I, I really hadn't had a lot of sex before my current partner. Like I really only had sex with one other person and then kind of with two other people. And so I've been learning a lot about what I like um, and also learning how to communicate that. I'm not a very direct communicator and obviously that translates into sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, I think we're both very patient and willing to learn. So now our sex life is great. And I think another thing that we've, been navigating is like depression and Mm. my partner has had like history of not consensual sex as well so it's also a navigation of like what feels good at what time and it changes and even like 
yeah, being able to ask for what they need sometimes Mm -hmm. is is hard for them. So definitely been a, a process and I think obviously an ongoing one. But I learned <laughs> that I don't like penetration really at all. Oh, really? Um, I want to because I think it's really hot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's like mostly clitoral stimulation. But for them, it's it's mostly penetration, um, mm. which I really enjoy. So we've, we've got like um, fun strap-on and also just fingers but yeah, that's that's been fun. <laughs> yeah. There is an important part that we have not covered yet, which is that you mentioned to me that you are currently monogamous, but mm-hmm. that that may be something that will shift. And so I'm curious to hear where you're at and what your thoughts are about that. I really, right now, I do strongly identify as monogamous, but it's something that we, like my partner and I have had many conversations about because many of our friends are poly and it's just like part of our life and kind of we've we've witnessed them navigating like being in a monogamous relationship and then realizing oh actually I'm poly and so what that process has looked like has kind of made me and my partner like think about that for ourselves Mm -hmm. um right now I'm not interested in pursuing anybody else but it's something that I feel really safe if I were to communicate to my partner like hey I think I want to pursue someone whatever it is it's something that we've both talked about hey would you do you want to pursue anybody else no do you no but (laughs) (laughs) but like I think if that were a thing it would be Okay. I love that the word that you used there was that you feel you would feel safe doing Mm. it. Like Mm -hmm. that, I think, is primary over everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Friends, let's talk about Patreon. It has been quite an evolution over the last two and a half years. For a long time, I took cuts from the episodes and put them on Patreon for people who financially supported the show. But by mid-2020, that no longer felt right, because I was hearing from listeners who said they wanted to hear the Patreon extras because the show was making such a difference in their lives, but they couldn't afford to donate. It really doesn't feel appropriate to withhold this material in exchange for monetary support. That's just not what I'm about. So from July 2020 through April 2021, I made all audio extras at Patreon free for everyone. And that has worked well. I've been pleased to see that my Patreon support didn't drop when you were supporting the show because you appreciate it rather than paying to get something in exchange. And now I'm evolving again. Instead of pulling clips out of the show for Patreon and keeping the main episode as close to 50 minutes as possible, I'm letting the conversations play out in full in the main episode. If my work is meaningful to you and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. 
If you have more than a few dollars, consider donating extra in honor of women who need this material but aren't in a position to contribute. And I donate 10% of all Patreon contributions to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. You can find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And if your finances are tight, but you still want to support the show, I would love it if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it on Instagram. Tag me in your post and I'll send you a personal thank you. Or send your favorite episode to a friend and invite them to chat about it with you. Use this show as a jumping off point to deepen your own conversations around intimacy and sex. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Are there any questions that you have about your current sex life or sexuality in general? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I So, butt stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. If I can just put that there. Um, no. <laughs> well, so I have never tried any anal play at all. Um, but one of my closest friends has and she's like it's amazing uh <laughs> she's gone so far as to give me like dental dams to try <laughs> um but i so the reason why i'm interested is because i know i get a lot of pleasure from like any touch just on my butt cheeks mm-hmm. um which obviously might not necessarily translate to anal pleasure but whether it's like a light touch or like a slap all of that is like Yeah. Um, (laughs) I feel like I want to do a ton of research and Mm. I'm really like pretty nervous to try it. (laughs) Sure. You mentioned that you don't enjoy vaginal penetration. Is that because you just don't like you don't have a lot of pleasure receptors there? Or is that because you don't enjoy the experience of, of actual penetration inside your body? I think it's because I don't have a lot of receptors like yeah I don't really mind having fingers and sometimes like if if I'm having sex like I will sometimes ask like will you just Mm -hmm. penetrate for like a minute and then come back out (laughs) so it's (laughs) not unpleasant it's just not something that you're seeking yeah sometimes sometimes it's uncomfortable I think probably if there's like not enough lube but for me like I don't know what the word is like the rubbing is not very comfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. So that's, I wanted to make sure that if penetration in general was unpleasant for you, then I would couch this answer a little bit differently. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, some people have lots of receptors in one place and very few receptors in other places. For instance, I grew up assuming that on I'm I'm showing you my breast my clothed breast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but I assumed that like the the um 
sensation was supposed to center on the nipple. Mm. And I have little to no sensation on my nipple. So I just thought I was broken. Mm. I I thought that my body was messed up. Turns out that my sensation is down around the side and underneath of the breast. Um, So it just means that my pleasure receptors are located a little differently than I had imagined based on porn. Um, (laughs) So so the fact that you don't get a ton of pleasure from vaginal penetration doesn't necessarily mean that you won't enjoy anal play. Mm. That may just be that your receptors are shifted differently. Mm. You may love it. You may hate it. It's all fine. (laughs) I, when I first thought about anal play, was like, hell no, nobody's going there. Because in my mind, anal play immediately meant full on anal sex. Mm. Like whether that was with a penis or a dildo or whatever, it was like full on. So anal play has like hundreds of steps, <laughs> or at least tens of steps yeah. between like just a little bit of play to see if you enjoy the basic area and full on penetrative, like let's go to town. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can start with just like a little gentle touching in that area mm. to uh, as one woman who I spoke with called it the rosebud. <laughs> I love that. It's so, just, so kind. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your partner touching you. If they mm-hmm. put a little bit of lube on one of their fingers and just lightly touch your rosebud, mm-hmm. um, then you can find out if that's something that you really enjoy or if it's something like I think I'm good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Depending on both of your levels of comfort with or without a dental dam, you could try a tongue there. Mm-hmm. Um, then if you feel like, okay, I'm enjoying this and I think I might want to try a little bit more, then you can move on to penetration. But I am not in any way, shape or form suggesting that you go all the way to like (laughs) dildo or anything like that. You start with the like very end of the pinky. Okay. With a lot of lube. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't have to be your pinky, but that's your smallest finger. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is start with something very small. And you just do a little bit. And one of my favorite things, I heard this um, from Amory Jane. Uh, I'll put her information because she does um, she does uh, classes. I think she calls them um, back that butt up or nice. <laughs> back that ass up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she does great anal sex classes. Uh, and I took one of her classes. And what I loved was that she talked about it as anytime you're going for insertion in the anal area, you don't just go in, you approach it as if it's a doorbell and you go, bing bong. (laughs) I will never forget that because it's actually what my elevator in my building sounds like. that's funny. (laughs) So my partner and I get a lot of laughs out of that, but you go, bing bong. (laughs) And 
if they let you in, like if there is, mm. when you press in, if there's a little bit of give, then you can continue pressing. Mm-hmm. But if, if the anus is not ready to open, you don't keep pressing. Right, right. You just like do a little bit more of touch. You do a little bit more gentling and turning on. And then you try again, you know, are you ready now? And at mm. some point when they're relaxed, presumably they mm. will open enough to allow the tip of the finger in. And if that doesn't happen, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And you, if it's still enjoyable for both of you, you haven't lost anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it again another time and see yeah. if you can get to that point. And if you don't like it, then great. Now you know you never have to do it again. Yeah. Okay. For listeners, I am now going to show Julia a toy and I will put a link to it in the description. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is my favorite toy for anal play because as you can see, it has graduated <laughs> sizes <laughs> of sort of balls yeah. um, that have a definitive end point. So you're doing the bing bong method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're allowed in, you go in just to the end of the first ball. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you can play with it, you can move it around a little, you can like, um, just do sort of a little bit of in and out movement to see if that's pleasurable, or you can actually move it around some to see if that's pleasurable. If you're enjoying it, and you want to try, you can go to the next ball. There are five sort of Ballish, beadish. I'm using terrible words for this, <laughs> <laughs> but, but there are five gradations on here. Mm-hmm. I myself, I think, have only gotten to the third one, and okay. we've played with it a bunch. Like that's yeah. just as much as I'm as my body enjoys. Um, so I'll I'll send you information. Thank for, you. Yeah, yeah, for this that's toy. Awesome. <laughs> um, but the. I think the most important thing is that if you're going to play in this area, just like any other area, but this area brings so much shame and fear around it, that the play needs to be fun. You need to associate pleasure and fun with it in order to sort of overcome all that cultural messaging about it being dirty and shameful. Yeah. Yeah, that's Um, really definitely feel a lot of shame, even though I do feel really safe like exploring things with my partner, but I'm like, nobody should go there. Not even me. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, The other thing is that um, there are things called dilator kits. Okay. If you're wanting to get to full on like dildo type penetration, a dilator kit might be a good option. I would still suggest starting with a starter toy like this one, but the dilator kit will actually move you up through several sizes of insertions. Wow. Like over hours or days? Uh, you get to choose. Cool. I mean, it's this is really important yeah. um, to be able to say, okay, I've had enough now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then either go on to have vaginal play or to have clit play so that you can end the session with an orgasm to again, to really instill that this is fun or not. If your body is like, yeah, I'm done, then great. Let it be done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so glad you asked. And now it's time for the lowdown. 
the things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Yes. Usually not on like the first or second day because I'm like not interested. Yeah. Um, but towards the end, yeah. Because again, like I like cl- play mm-hmm. and that's where I get all of my <laughs> pleasure. So yeah, and my partner is is comfortable with it as long as I'm comfortable. And what about during their period? Yeah, they are much less interested. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't asked if it's because they're like mostly interested in penetration, but they're just not that interested. I, I wonder, does a period bring on any sense of body dysmorphia for them? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's that's possibly that makes part of sense. It. Yeah. What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? Um 3. Have you ever had sex with someone of a different racial identity than your own? No. What's your favorite sex toy? Oh. <laughs> um can I have two answers? One that I like you for myself and one that I like to use. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> uh, so because I don't like penetration, my current partner and I got a little clit stimulative toy that um, it's shaped like a bunny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And so okay. like, the ears are, it's kind of like two fingers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the ears kind of vibrate because there's a little vibrator and like my partner can stick it on their finger. Oh, and fun. Use that. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes like if their hand cramps, <laughs> we can pull that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the toy I like to use most is just our like basic dildo. And we, we have a nice strap on. So the strap on for me is nice because we like you, there's a spot for a vibrator. So I get some stimulation, and then I can be penetrating them. Nice. What is your favorite sex position? I feel like I have two answers for that one again. Um, (laughs) I'm really only able to orgasm when I'm lying on my back, Mm -hmm. which is great because I know I know that about myself, but part yeah. of me, I'm like, I want to have sex everywhere and in every position. And, <laughs> but I'm like, nope, just throw me on my back and I'll come in like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, do you ever have the, use the other positions just as like, this is fun playtime that doesn't have yes. an end point? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the buildup, I guess, to the, yeah. uh, <laughs> to the answer is like, um, I do enjoy, we really only recently started playing with like me getting penetrated from behind so Mm -hmm. like on the occasions where I'm like yeah penetration could feel good that's pretty hot (laughs) I really like if I'm giving to penetrate them from behind as well Mm -hmm. and another position that we kind of just stumbled upon is like if I have my back to them and we're both on our sides and then they can like reach around mm-hmm. and yeah, just go at my clit. <laughs> nice. I don't know if that one has a name, but <laughs> <laughs> the reach around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you prefer to initiate or for your partner to initiate in the bedroom? Huh. 
I think both. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you generally more active or more passive during lovemaking? Uh, active. Uh, you've already answered this, but I'm going to ask you again. Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? <laughs> <laughs> clit stimulation. <laughs> Do you enjoy having your breasts played with? Um, not a ton. Like it, it's always a fun benefit, but it's not my favorite thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. I do like my nipples to be tugged at. Um, mm -hmm. so that, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you generally think it's easy or challenging for you to orgasm? Oh, that depends on many things. <laughs> it's really easy for me to orgasm like if I'm masturbating um I, I my partner jokes that my clit is like very specific mm -hmm. and like I I can you know, I can tell them like that's the spot uh, <laughs> um but I think sometimes if we're having sex it's like sometimes in my head uh I like get anxious I'm like it's not gonna happen mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it's hard for me to like get out of that um, headspace. So sometimes it's a little bit harder if I'm having sex with my partner or a partner to orgasm, but I'm pretty good at it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very similar, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> uh, have you ever faked an orgasm? No. Do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with a partner? They're kind of different. I don't know if I could pick one. Because um, I, I love it. Yeah, they are a little bit different for me. But I love orgasm with a partner because it is the like, feels very like we're together. And uh, it just like brings me a lot of joy to get there with another person. But also with myself, it's like... Um, because it's pretty easy. It's like, yes, <laughs> just feels good. And, it, and like, yeah, I would say I masturbate quite a lot. And so I do. Yeah, I like that one as well. <laughs> what kind of touch do you enjoy most? It does depend on what mood I'm in. I think I like caresses, like if we're kind of building up to sex, but um, at some point, I also get overstimulated by light touch or like tickling sensations. So sometimes tickles feel really, really good and they turn me on. And then other times it makes me feel like way too much input. So yeah, yeah it depends. And then other times I like rougher touch of like a slap or mm -hmm. um, like throwing me on the bed or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are your hard red lines? Um, anything like around my throat, mm -hmm. I've never even like played with breath play, but even just like if someone has their arm around, like if I'm lying down and has, someone has their arm on me, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to be choked. So yeah. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> yeah. Are there sexual things you've tried that you don't ever want to do again? I don't think so. It, it, there's like one specific sex toy that I have tried that just didn't work for me, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't like a sex position or type of sex. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
How do you feel about your partner masturbating without you being present? Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All power to them. (laughs) How do you feel about your partner watching porn? Great. Yeah. (laughs) Do you ever watch porn together? No, we've never watched it together, but we both watch it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you have similar types of porn that you both like? I think they watch more variety. I, for some reason, I really just like straight porn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they watch all different types of people. (laughs) Uh, Uh, And just for the record, it is not weird to watch porn of sex acts that you don't actually want to participate in. It's (laughs) totally normal. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Do you have hair down there or are you bare? I have a lot of hair. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really shave anymore. Have you ever had a threesome or more? No. Does it interest you? I don't think so at this time. And I don't know, this might be an inaccurate assumption, but the exhibitionism Mm -hmm. aspect for some reason relates to a threesome in my brain I just want to do it with one other person. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you enjoy giving oral sex? Yes. My current partner doesn't love it. Or it's like sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Receiving, you mean? Yeah, they don't like to receive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do like to give. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And do you enjoy receiving oral sex? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever tried a clit sucker toy? No. I've okay. heard of those. <laughs> I'll send you information about that too. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, do you ever worry about your smell or taste? Sometimes. Yeah. I think just based on where I am in my cycle, <laughs> Yeah. sometimes a little bit more than others, but I mean... I've been with my partner for so long now that it's like everything's on the table, I feel. <laughs> yeah. um, so definitely not with my current partner. <laughs> what do you consider the quote unquote kinkiest thing that you enjoy with the understanding that everybody's scale of kink is totally different? I think any sort of biting. Yeah, I, I really love and and like hair pulling, I think mm-hmm. as well. I didn't really think of that as a kinky thing until another friend of mine was like, or I I don't remember what she asked, but I was like, yeah, I guess I do do these things that would be considered kinky and I really enjoy them. (laughs) (laughs) You've mentioned a few times during our conversation slapping, and I was curious to circle back to that. Um, Does that include the face or is that other places on your body? Yeah, I guess maybe more accurately would be spanking so Mm -hmm. we like both my partner and i spank each other like occasionally um during sex but yeah not on the face yeah do you enjoy dirty talk during sexual encounters not really no (laughs) do you enjoy laughter during sexual encounters yeah absolutely have you ever felt a sexual urge that confused you I think kind of the 
my like attraction to the cis man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Confused me just because for so long I identified as just gay. Mm-hmm. And that was a little confusing. Yeah. What is your favorite part of your body? I think my arms, maybe. I get yeah. a lot of compliments on them. And not that that's the only reason why I would like them. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're nice. What's your least favorite part of your body? This is going to sound worse than I think it is, but my face. Um, uh-huh. I do like how I look, but I had issues with braces as a kid, and so my smile is crooked. Hmm. And I was told that it wouldn't be an issue, but now it is. And so I'm just mad at my orthodontists, and I'm like, yeah, don't. whenever I take a picture of myself, that's the first thing I notice is like, hmm. oh, it smiles crooked. Yeah. What is something about your current sex life that isn't quite as satisfying as you'd like it to be? Um, I think this is something that like I'm working on myself and then also together with my partner, just the, it's challenging to communicate sometimes because I experience seasonal depression, my partner has depression and also their history. I'm trying to learn more about how to communicate my needs without like re-stimulating them in any way. And so it's more the like communication aspect of the sex life. Sure. Which personally I think is the most important part of the sex life. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. What belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could go back and correct her on now? Oh, gosh. (laughs) So much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that queer sex was a thing that I didn't have to be attracted to cis men. Um, That sex wasn't like this big scary thing it was it's fun and it's like a a communication between two two or more people (laughs) yeah awesome julia thank you so much for having this conversation with me it has been an absolute joy thank you so much leah it's been really freeing this conversation and just finding your podcast uh i wish i had had it as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> or a teen. And... I wish I had too. <laughs> yeah. We all need it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for today. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. And I'm incredibly grateful for the financial support from Good Girls Talk About Sex community members at Patreon. If you'd like to support me in telling these stories and answering your questions, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. You can find show notes and show transcripts at www.goodgirlstalk.com. To ask a question about your sex life, your desires, or anything to do with female sexuality, 
call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. And before we go, I want to remind you that the things you've probably heard about your sexuality are not true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. I work with women just like you to reflect their true sexual nature back to them without the judgment, shame, or fear that can get in the way of us seeing it for ourselves. As a coach and PJ Party hostess, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. I'm here to help you sink so deeply into your true sexuality that the version of yourself that was scared to speak up for her own needs feels like a mirage from another lifetime. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. (laughs) 